Amen. All of us have had the opportunity now to witness history in the making. We are thankful that the Supreme Court, that we now have made a decision to overturn a future ruling saying that the Constitution gave women right to abortion. And we know that that is not true. And on June uh, the 24th of this year, they overturned that. It was known as Roe v. Wade 410 U.S. 113, done on January the 22nd, 1973. They took a look at the laws around and made that decision. I'd like to read to you a portion of something that we all know very well as the Declaration of Independence. And in the beginning of that, from July the 4th, 1776, it says that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And after, I believe, many years of prayers since 1973, God's people have been on their face praying that this law would be overturned. And can we give the Lord a praise this morning that he has answered that prayer? Not always in our timing, not as quick as we would like, but the Lord knows what he's doing and the Lord acts in his timing. When we began to look at this, I wanted to understand some of those words, and it's not easy to say those words when you're by yourself, inalienable and unalienable, and it's a lot more difficult when you're standing in front of a lot of people. But I looked up in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and actually, you hear a lot of times today the word inalienable, and you also hear unalienable. But let's take a look. Marion Webster says that the inalienable is the incapable of being alienated, surrendered, or transferred. But you can also look up the word that is used in the Declaration of Independence, the unalienable, and that is impossible to take away or to give up. We hear in there that word alien, and oftentimes when we hear of that, I don't know if you're like me, I think of the little Martian men, the little green men with the antennas on their head. But you know that's partially right and partially not, because alien is something that belongs to something else, someone from another planet. And when you look at alienable, it means something that you can give away. If an alien's from another planet and you have something, you can give that away. While we do see most often used today the unenable, the inalienable is most often used, but the unalienable is what was used in the independence. I believe that is because as it says, it is impossible to take away or give. And you know, this ruling come out years ago And then the Supreme Court reconvenes with the group that we have today. They make a decision to overturn that. But what I want to talk to you today is about the Christians' unalienable rights. And let me tell you that our God is not the Supreme Court of the United States. 
But our God is the sovereign God of the entire world. Supreme might be the upper level, but sovereign's over that. Sovereign's in total control. We have nothing today that we can compare what the word sovereign is to because sovereign means it has the last word. What sovereign is and what sovereign says is fact. Back in the day when the Bible was written, they had kings. And when the king spoke, that was it. And if you went against it, you could be killed. Our God is the only everlasting, supreme, sovereign God, not of just the United States, not of just this world, but the entire creation and the, excuse me, the entire universe. If you would take your Bibles this morning and open them to the gospel according to Luke chapter 4, I want us to take a few moments this morning to look at what are the Christians' unable rights and see maybe, just maybe, for once in history, the United States might have gotten something right. Once you've turned to Luke chapter 4, Verse 16, if you would please stand with me as we read God's word this morning. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Father God, would you help us today? Lord, would you soften our hearts, open our ears to Holy Spirit? That, Father, we may hear from you today what your word says to us this day. Father, as we look on and we're embarking on this time of making history, Father, I ask that you would speak to us as Christians today. That, Father, you would help us to understand the joy that we have. Father, the rights that we have. Father, would you anoint me now, Lord? Would you fill me with Holy Spirit to proclaim boldly your message? Father, would you give me the right words to sing? Father, thank you for the privilege of being your child. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As we come and look at this, I, I like that word, and the, the, unenable, the unalable Christian rights. Because, just as that definition said, they cannot... 
And it is impossible to take away or give up. What I want you to understand today, what we're going to look at as Christians. Now this is words to Christians. As believers of God, what we have through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, no one can take away from you. Scripture tells us that we are in Jesus' hands and Jesus is in the Father's hands. And what's in their hands, no one, no person, nothing, no demon, no spirit. Nothing can snatch us away from him. There are people in the world who believe that you can be snatched out of God's hands. There are some that believe you can give up your Christianity. Let me tell you what. Can't nobody take your Christianity away and you cannot give your Christianity away because you're not bigger than God. And what we have is ours and it is impossible to take away. What is the first thing? I want us to look at three things of why Jesus came and he came for those rights. The first one is Jesus came to give us life. Jesus came to give us life. There at Luke 4 verse 18 says Jesus was speaking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus came to preach gospel to the poor. The gospel gives life. The gospel is the good news. I forget who has the credit for the phrase, but it says it's only good news if it gets there in time. Church, the good news is available to anyone and everyone. But the good news at some point people will no longer have a choice. Once they die, they no longer have a choice to receive the good news. The good news is the gospel message. It's about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does all of that have to do? We know these things. But I want you to understand that his death and the burial and the resurrection are very prominent and very important for life because the old has died with Christ. The old has been buried with Christ. Christ came out of the grave. He defeated death and he has the right and the authority to give life. And he comes and he gives life because he preaches gospel to the poor. He also gives life with a relationship to God. If you would turn with me to John 14. Verse 6, John 14, verse 6, And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Leave that up there on the screen for just a minute. Let's read this together. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the what? Life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus came to give life. He gives us life here on earth. He gives us life in the kingdom of God, which is here and now. There's not just this life after death, but we're living life. We're living life to the fullest in relationship to God. But also he gives us eternal life. In John 11, let me read to you verses 25 and 26. Again, Jesus speaking, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die ever. Do you believe this? Jesus came to give eternal life. 
Those who are believers, those who call on the name of Jesus and repent of their sins and confess him and call on him as Lord and Savior of their life, that very moment we're washed in the blood of Jesus and Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and we have life here and now with a relationship with God, but we have eternal life. We will live from this point on. Our physical flesh, yes, will one day go away, but the life that lives in us Our spirit has the promise and the guarantee of all of eternity to live, not just here on earth, but in heaven, in peace, and in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? To be able to worship God in the spirit and to be before and be able to fall before that throne. The life that he brings. Jesus came to give life. This life cannot under any circumstances, be taken away. It's an unalienable right that we as Christians have to life. We can live life now. You know, there are people in this world today who exist. But I believe only the true Christian is living life to the fullest. You know, there's a difference of being alive and living There's a difference of being alive and have life. We can exist. We can just get by in this world. But we as believers have life. Not only did Jesus came to give us life, but Jesus also came to give us, I bet you can guess the next word, liberty. Amen. We have been freed. Look there back in um, Luke 4 verse 18. It says that he was sent to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set those free who are oppressed. The act of freeing and liberating from something that confines. Jesus came to earth and died on that cross so that he could release us from what confines us. And we know that we're confounded by sin and we're in the grips of Satan before we come to him. But how exciting that Jesus came to give us liberty that can't be taken away. Let me read to you. This verse, Luke 4, 18 from the King James, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Those of us who are oppressed, can you remember before your salvation the weight that was on your shoulders, the oppression that we were living in. Many of us in this room probably came to Christ as a young age and we don't understand the weight of that. I know some of you have come in at an older age and you understand that and you hear the testimonies of those who just felt weighted down and when they come and they confess Christ and they call on him a savior, they say, it felt like a load was lifted off of my shoulders. They were liberated. He come to release us and to give us liberty and freedom from fear. Let me just read to you out of Hebrews chapter 2. It says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, 
that though death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery in their lives. There are people in this world who are afraid of death. If we were to poll, and I've read different statistics, there are some who believe that when you die, you just go to sleep. Nothing else is there. Well, that's not too inviting. There's some who have fear because they don't know what happens when they die. And then you have some who fear because they know that when they die, they're going to hell. And you know, there are some that are content to be right there. I'm here to tell you that yes, when you die, you're going to go to either heaven or hell and it's your choice. God doesn't pick some of us and say, okay, this group over here is going to heaven. This group over here is going to hell. God sent his son for anyone, whosoever will come. But there are those who refuse. There are those who are blinded. He says he come to give sight to the blind. There are some that are so blinded by this world and what the devil says that they're living a life of sin and they're refusing to change because they're so blinded. Jesus comes to give that way. I was just hearing this this week and thinking about it. You know, when you look into John and other places, and when God talks about himself, he says, I am. I like how this gentleman who was speaking on this, he said, that's an incomplete sentence. But it's I am fill in the blank. That's why God says, I am. What do you need? If you're in the dark, I am the light. If you're hungry, I am the bread. If you're thirsty, I am the water. You see, the blind are blind because they're in darkness, and Jesus comes and is the light to bring light. But we're also, he came to give us liberty and freedom from the bondage of sin. In Romans 6, 22 and 23 But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. We are bound and we are in bondage and we are in shackles to sin until we choose to call on Jesus and praise the Lord that as believers, he has cut those chains free. He's done more than cut the chains free. He's gone down in those old class they used to have to go around the ankles. He's cut those off. He's healed the scars from those chains. And we are free. We're no longer bound by that. Satan no longer has rule and authority over the believer because Jesus Christ came to give us liberty. He came to give us the freedom from fear. The freedom from the bondage of sin. But church, he also came in this liberating fashion to give us freedom from the consequences of sin. Now let me pause there and explain what I'm talking about here. Yes, when we sin and we go to God and forgive us, there are still consequences that oftentimes we have to pay. If it's something that we've done that's illegal, then there's a consequence with the law. But the ultimate consequence of sin 
We have been freed from. And what do I mean by that? We've been freed from the death and the separation from God. Isaiah 59 2 says, But your iniquities have been made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Old Testament prophet Isaiah writing and saying, Because of the iniquity, because of the sin, you're separated from God and he can't see you. But Jesus came, and for the believers, we have the right of liberty that cannot be taken away. We have been made justified with God. We've studied over in Romans how we are in a right standing because God declared that, that no matter what has happened in our past, all sins, past, present, and future have been forgiven. The moment we call on Christ, everything's forgiven. Well, why do we still come to the Lord then, Pastor? And why do we pray and confess? And why can't we do whatever we want to do if all of our sins as believers is forgiven? Because it hinders our fellowship. And we must come to him and all we have to do is come in a heart and a spirit of humility and we come to Jesus Christ and we confess those sins. Our relationship is restored. Our fellowship is restored. The relationship is always there. We probably talked about this when we were looking at Romans. If you have children, when your children disobey you, are they still your children? Yes. There is nothing That can happen. You know, even adoption doesn't change who a child physically belongs to. Now, the child might reside with me and the child might become my child, but child's parents will always be their biological parents. There's nothing you can do. That's a picture of this. Once we're adopted into the family of God, we are always his. Now, fellowship can change. But the liberty and the freedom and the consequences have all been taken care of. And also the consequence, the main consequence is death and a life in hell. And through Jesus liberating us, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God that his son has delivered us from that. We have a guarantee You have a ticket stamped, paid for, bought, sealed, delivered, certified. You're going to heaven. You're going to live forever because Jesus came to give us liberty. It's a right that cannot be taken away. It's a right that you can't give away. Whichever one of those two words you want to use, praise the Lord. We have liberty in Jesus Christ. We have life in Jesus Christ. And third, Jesus came to give us, you want to help me out here? Pursuit of happiness. Now, we have to stop and pause just a minute. Jesus didn't come to give necessarily the happiness that we look at today. You know, happiness comes and happiness, what? Goes. But we have a joy. But the ultimate happiness, let's look at verse 19, Luke four nineteen, To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The pursuit of happiness, Jesus came to give us the good news. A commentary um, called the New American Commentary, this particular one on Luke written by Robert H. Stein says, this this basically a synonym for the good news of the kingdom 
of God. He came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. We can have the pursuit of happiness because Jesus Christ came. He's proclaiming the favorable of the year of the Lord, and that's what we're living in right now. We are living in the year of the Lord. He is ours. He is available to all. Luke 4.43 says, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this person. We are and we can live in the kingdom here and now, the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus came so that we could have this happiness, this ultimate peace within. He came for the opportunity for salvation, the pursuit of happiness. If you look in your Bibles, it might be that verse 18 and 19 might be in all caps for some of you. That means it is referencing an Old Testament scripture. And that Old Testament scripture that Jesus, when he went into temple, it was his custom. And he went into the temple or the synagogue on that day. They had scrolls. They had the Old Testament Picked up, they was handed the scroll of Isaiah. He rolled it out till he come to this portion of the text. And we call it today Isaiah 61. And listen to this as I read to you verses 1 and 2. The spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim release to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, did you hear the ending of what Isaiah said? And the day of vengeance of our God. When Jesus read from the scroll, he stopped when he came to proclaim the year of the Lord. Because forgiveness is still available. We have the forgiveness of sin. The opportunity of salvation is there. He left out the part of the vengeance. That is coming. There is coming a day when God will pour out all his vengeance on the earth. He will come and he will take his people who have chosen him because of his calling. He will take us. He will snatch us up, whatever words you want to use. He'll take us to heaven and then he will unleash his vengeance on those who were left. This world would be under total domination for a period of time and controlled by Satan as his vengeance and wrath pours out on those who choose him. But praise God that as Christians, we have a right to the pursuit of happiness. We have the opportunity for salvation. You can pursue that and we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a pursuit of happiness. I have a pursuit of happiness and I am so glad that I can pursue after Christ. And my happiness comes because I have peace with Christ. I have peace with Christ. What a wonderful thing that peace of Christ is. You see, we have an unalienable right as Christians to life, to liberty, and to the pursuit of happiness. Look back there at Luke chapter 4 and verse 20. 
And let's take a look. And he closed the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now here's Jesus, as they knew him, the carpenter, the son of Mary and Joseph, the boy around the corner. He has stood up now in synagogue and taken the scroll and read as the one that was to be sent to proclaim all of these things. And then he stops. And he goes and he sits down. Can you just picture yourself there? Hopefully it wasn't a hot day. They didn't have air conditioning. But you're in synagogue. You've just heard the scripture read. The scrolls rolled up and he goes and he sits down. Because then they would go and sit down. They would begin to describe what was read. And here's this last verse. And he began to say to them... Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What was he saying? Church, this was the start of Jesus' ministry. He said, you know, because the prophet Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, is something they would have all known in synagogue. They're all raised up on it. They know that it's prophesying about one that's going to come one day that's God. And he's going to proclaim life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He's going to proclaim these things of the gospel and to release captives and set the blind to where they can see and to heal the oppressed. And then Jesus before them says, I am. That's me. The prophecy has been fulfilled. And because of that, Jesus came and he came to do these things that were so many years prior given to him and prophesied. And now here it is, the picture unfolding in front of all of them. And as believers, we come to him because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the good news. Church, that's what the Christian's unalienable rights are that cannot, under any circumstance, be taken away from you. You ought to be able to hold your head up high and walk. This world weighs us down. But we have the right because of what Jesus did to life. We have the right to liberty. We've been freed. We have the right of this pursuit of happiness. But as I said at the beginning, this is the Christian's rights. It's only for believers. But I praise my Lord that he offers it to whoever will come. No respect to race. No respect to finances. No respect to what nation you live in. The only thing that it takes is to come to him and to confess in faith Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Are you here today and you know for a fact that you're a believer? 
Praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. You have these rights and no one can take them away. We live in these now. Let me just add this on there. While we cannot give them away, they cannot be taken away. There are many believers who choose to not live in them. They're ours. So I encourage you to live out your life. Live out the liberty and the pursuit of happiness as we come before him. But you know, there's some in this world that don't have those rights. You know, when they were making up the Declaration of Independence, they were godly men. One like what some of the schools teach these days. But they were godly men and this was pulled, believe from Scripture. As they sought God in making this declaration for those 13 colonies to be free, they put their life on the line. When they signed it, I, I got a copy here this morning of all of those signatures in the places. All these men that signed were signing a death warrant. But they believed in the freedom of religion. And they believed in a God who was bigger than they were. And church, that's what we must do. But there's some today who don't know it. I'm going to ask you if you're here today because I do this all the time. It's my responsibility. I don't know. I believe I know about everyone in here. But between you and Holy Spirit and God are the only ones who know. If you don't know Christ, today you don't have these rights. You might have them as rights as America says it. But the true everlasting that can't be taken away comes only from God. And I'm going to encourage you in just a moment. If you've never received him, come and let me talk to you. But I'm also going to encourage you. You know, this Friday is July the 1st. Next Sunday is July 3rd. And then Monday is July 4th. I thought about preaching this on July 3rd. But I said, no, in light of what just happened, we need to hear this today. Amen. Because the Supreme Court has even said that. But we're taking it from God's word. But what an opportunity as we celebrate our independence in America opens the door for an opportunity for us to share with others about the unalienable rights of a believer. And that why in America we have our declaration, we have our constitution, and there are men and women daily still fighting to give that freedom to us. Our rights were given to us by the death of Jesus Christ. May we share that story and the good news. But I want to encourage you and leave you today on the positive note that these are the Christian's rights. And no one can take them away from you nor can you get rid of them. They're yours by the gracious bloodshed and gift of Jesus Christ. May you bow your heads. Father God, how grateful we are, Lord, for your great love. Father, I thank you today, Father, that we can celebrate in America the overturning of that decision of Roe versus Wade, Father, giving everyone, even the unborn, The same right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But Father, more than that, I'm grateful that as your child, I have life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. Father, would you fulfill that in my life? Lord, would you fulfill that in those lives that are here today? Father, those that are listening. Father, we just call on you now, Lord. We say thank you, Father, for your great gift.